We are back, and I see a choice lies before me at the top of our third segment here, either to talk uh, about the passing of Studs Terkel or to talk science. We traveled down to Berkeley a couple of years back to hear Studs Terkel for the benefit of, of this program. And I must say it's an experience I was glad to have had. Terkel passed away earlier this month at age 96 and deserves, I think, some, some, some words. But we can't talk science and talk about studs both, so we're going to defer talking about the late, great studs Tur- Turkle and instead concentrate on a few piled-up science items that we need to get to. All right, among science stories, I think none uh, strike me as more bizarre than this one. It turns out that that roll of scotch tape on your desk is also an x-ray machine. Researchers at UCLA have discovered that by unspooling a household roll of, of, of scotch tape, you can create bursts of x-ray light strong enough to provide clear images of the bones in their fingers. What I read about this claims that this only works in a vacuum, but I'm not sure how they managed to x-ray a finger in a vacuum. They're telling us, of course, don't worry. This only happens if you do it in a vacuum. But personally, I've got some doubts. Said UCLA researcher Seth Putterman, we're marveling at Mother Nature. They're already looking for practical medical and scientific applications for what you can do with scotch tape. That really is from the too weird file. We, we need some more data on that one. Another item that might warrant some further research is this one. Scientists. Watermelon yields Viagra-like effects. Well, apparently scientists have discovered that watermelons contain an ingredient called citrulline that can trigger production of a compound that helps relax the body's blood vessels, similar to what happens when a man takes Viagra. Found in the flesh and rinds of watermelons, citrulline reacts with the body's enzymes when consumed in large quantities and is changed into arginine, an amino acid that benefits the heart and circulatory and immune systems. Arginine, in turn, boosts nitric oxide, which relaxes blood vessels. It's the same basic effect that Viagra has to to treat erectile dysfunction. Here's the part of this story I like the best. Todd Whaler, who studies watermelon breeding at North Carolina State University, counsels that anyone taking Viagra shouldn't expect the same result from watermelon. And we should note that more citrulline, about 60% of it, is found in the watermelon's rind than in the flesh. Of course, you can buy pickled watermelon rind. If you want to look into this, it turns out that citrulline is found in all colors of watermelon and is at highest in the yellow-fleshed types. And here's a little factoid I wasn't aware of. Watermelon is a diuretic, and apparently not just from its high water content. Anyway, that's another one we need a little more data on. Wow. And here's a bit of, uh, of, of scientific trivia, which will play into our next story. Name, if you can, the five different types of reptiles. Lizards and snakes? Okay. Turtles? Good. Crocodiles? Okay. You're four for five. What's the fifth? Your local herpetologist, of course, will be quick to add the tuatara. It is a lizard-like reptile, which is found only in New Zealand. At this point, only on a few islands off the coast. The tuatara doesn't make the news a lot, but uh, it turns out that scientists studying this uh, reptilian beast have uncovered a surprising gender-specific effect of global warming. 
According to a computer model, by 2085, there will be no more female tuatars because the sex of the animal is determined by how hot the nest is while the eggs are incubating. And the climate in New Zealand is steadily heating up. It's hard to imagine the tuatara, which evolved around the time of the dinosaurs and have lasted 200 million years, through numerous changes of the Earth's climate, might not make it to the next one. But in other tuatara-related news, it turns out that David Lambert of the University of Auckland uh, has been analyzing the DNA sequences of this reptile and discovered that it is evolving at an incredibly rapid pace, about 10 times as fast as the average animal. Which is curious, given that it has a floor plan, that it has a floor plan going back to the time of the dinosaurs. Anyway, when we go to New Zealand in, in weeks to come, we're going to have to ask uh, Mike Bonner what he knows about this Tuatara situation. And and speaking of heat waves, has anybody looked outside the window here lately in Northern California? It's the middle of November and it's still Indian summer. Some new computer studies of climate change predict uh, things are going to get bad. The current record temperatures for Atlanta, L.A., and Kansas City are, respectively, 105, 112, and 109. Temperatures which, in the 22nd century, may seem lovely and cool. 22nd century heat waves in these cities are predicted to skyrocket to 110, 117, and 116, respectively. And for cities closer to the equator, it could get a lot worse. Delhi should see 120. Baghdad will reach 122. And let's just hope in the next few years we can take some steps here that will make sure that never happens. But uh, I had a curious conversation while working out in the gym last week uh, with a fellow in the know in the political scene here in California's capital, noting that uh, there's a lot of greenwashing going on. Greenwashing is where companies or or agencies decide to make themselves look more environmentally friendly than they really are. Well, this fellow gave me some handicaps on some of our better-known environmental organizations, and and what he had to say was kind of disturbing. Some of them, he said, are (laughs) ready, willing, and able to to sell out the environmental movement. I think it's worth quoting from an article by Fred Pierce, senior environmental correspondent for New Scientist, who said in the October 11th issue that, uh, well, yeah, this this is going on. And, and by this, I'm referring to environmental groups greenwashing. According to Mr. Pierce, uh, Christine McDonald, an insider in the environmental movement, uh, told the story of how the biggest perpetrators of public relations greenwashing are often the Greens themselves. According to McDonald, big money spending environmental groups like the World Wildlife Fund, Conservation International, and the Nature Conservancy are bankrolled by super rich benefactors, and several of their boards feature executives from donor corporations. To keep the funds rolling in, compromises are inevitable. For example, McDonald shows apparently Conservation International is cozying up to soya barons in Brazil. And environmental groups are providing green cover as big-name retailers like Walmart buy up the products of illegal logging. The organizations say this is all in a good cause, that there are necessary compromises in the wider quest to encourage green global capitalism. And Pierce admits they have a point in this. Arguably what the most 
Arguably, what the largest and dirtiest corporations most need is a helping hand to discover how to turn a good profit while greening their operations and wrong-footing their rivals in the battle for the public's affection. Unfortunately, McDonald makes the case persuasively that too often the environment gets little in return. And it turns out that around the world, conservation's getting a bad name among the poor. According to, uh, to, to McDonald, um, well, in places like Gabon in Liberia, the natives are being expelled from national parks. And boy, that, that is a sticky wicket in how you preserve uh, lands you know, while dealing with the people living there. Anyway, this all comes in a book review. Uh, the book by Christine McDonald is titled Green Ink. And that, too, is something we need to look into some more. Here's a curious story, of, story from biology. Scientists have uh, discovered that there's an organism living nearly three kilometers down in a South African gold mine that lives in complete isolation from other species. There's no light there, and there's no oxygen there, which means that this self-sufficient organism, Candidatus desulfuratus audox aviator, must extract everything it needs from an otherwise dead environment. According to Carl Pilcher, director of NASA's Astrobiology Institute, virtually all other known ecosystems on Earth that don't use sunlight directly do use some product of photosynthesis. But according to Dylan Chivian of the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory here in California, this new bacterium gets its energy from the radioactive decay of uranium in the surrounding rocks. I presume by that they mean indirectly. And DNA analysis shows that it's got the genes to extract carbon and nitrogen from its inert environment. Said Chibion, it's philosophically exciting to know that everything necessary for life can be packed into a single genome. NASA's Chris McKay said this is just the kind of organism that could survive on Mars. Speaking of Mars, the Phoenix lander, uh, well, we've lost communication with it from Earth. It's up near the North Pole, and as winter is, is coming upon it, uh, the sunlight level has gotten very low. A dust storm didn't help, and it appears that it's, you know, probably lost for good. That was not unexpected. They knew this would happen when it got cold and dark. And while everybody is excited about the fact that the Phoenix proved absolutely proved that there's water all over the place on Mars. There was hope that it might locate some organic molecules and apparently failed to do so, although although we're not sure if that was due to technical failings or whether the fact that they you know, put lots of scoops in the heater and just didn't find any. We reported a couple months back that uh, as they reached out with this little uh, scooper into the Martian soil, they found that it was so clumpy that they couldn't drop it into the analyzer. And let's close with a bit of astronomy here for our, our, our listeners via podcast in Europe. Mark your calendar for a couple weeks in the future here on, uh, on December the 1st. The new crescent moon should appear uh, after sunset in the western sky and will pass in front of the planet Venus. This is a rather spectacular uh, celestial event, and I hope that our listeners in the UK and in Switzerland uh, and in all points in between will check it out. And after you do, please send us a report of what it looked like. And better yet, if you can get a photo of it, please send us that. 
Anyway, we're out of time. Thanks to Joe Randazzo and the good people over at The Onion for having done it again with Our Dumb World Atlas, a comprehensive new book that will change how you misunderstand the world. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time.